What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. How you doing? It's your boy, John of the Macri, with you for another episode of the Knicks Film School Podcast. Uh, I am I am me, you are you, and of course, here with me is my co-host, Jeremy Cohen, who is himself. How are you, Jeremy? I'm good. Yeah, I guess I'm me. I don't know who else I would be. <laughs> I don't, do you want to be anybody else? It's a good question. Do I want to be anyone else? Um, at the moment? I'd rather be elsewhere in terms of like in another country. It's fair, but no, I'm I'm cool with being me for right now. Maybe tomorrow I'll change. Well, I would like to be somebody else because, uh, as I was just hinting to you, I am not doing so great because I slept. This is what happens when you turn 37 years old or older. I'm guessing because something tells me this isn't going to get better. I slept wrong, um, not even last night, the night before that, and. Um, my it like every time I turn my head more than I don't know fifteen degrees up down left or right it feels like uh I don't know someone shoving a knife into the my like the back of my neck so that's been my life for the last day and a half uh, we're recording this on on Sunday late afternoon early evening um and it's amazing how much being a, like feeling like an old man can can sap your spirit to do other things. So uh, as I told you, I've been looking forward to this all day. Um, even though we're going to be talking about <laughs> something that is a sore subject than my neck, uh, the NBA lottery. But uh, yeah, so thank you for offering me this reprieve, I guess is the first thing I'll say. Anytime. And you know, doctors do exist for a reason. If you still feel like you are hurt, I, maybe a chiropractor. I've been seeing one. Fantastic. I have a new lease on life. I'm not quite 37 years old. So if you are, I can only imagine how you're feeling right now. So uh yeah, I'll just I'll wife you right now, John. <laughs> or, or I'll I'll domestic um you know, I'll, Domest- I'll domestic, domestic partner. partner you, John. Um, you know, I've never been to a chiropractor, which is funny because I have an aunt that is a chiropractor, although she lives in I think Arizona. Um yeah, I, it's it. I am, I am, I am that stubborn asshole who will be like, yeah, it'll go away at some point eventually, and that's that's what I'm going to do. Um, we'll see. Check back ne- if if this is still continuing next week. Um, when we talk, I'll I'll uh, I will seek help uh, outside of your um, companionship. Um, of course, this time next week we will have a bit of information that we will not have or we do not have right now. I should say, which is the next position in the draft lottery, which will be taking place on Thursday. Um, and we thought it would be fun slash whatever is the opposite of fun to spend a few minutes at the beginning of this podcast going through, um, just talking about some past Nick lottery nights. Um, and it was funny when I pitched this to you, I, I was like, Oh, I must have a ton of lottery memories throughout the years. And I, I actually sat down and looked at all of their their lottery you know drawings and whatnot and and thought back and i'm like wow i really don't have as many as i thought i have a couple they're more of the recent vintage and one older one so before i get to mine let me let me toss it to you what you do you have like one lottery memory that stands out above the rest or a few or do you you know what what do you have yeah you know i mean because a lot of the recent ones come to mind and i was thinking well you know clearly there were ones that happened before and they did, but the reality is, I mean, outside of 2015, there was like a five or six year, um, you know, time frame where there was no need for Nick's fan story about the lottery. It was completely, uh, it had nothing to do with anything that we were focusing on. And obviously that changed. Um, 
I would say a couple that come to mind. Well, last year's I thought was actually great. And I know it did not lead to what we were hoping for, but still beat the odds. Yeah, exactly. There was something about uh, that feeling of camaraderie uh, at that bar. All these Knicks fans are gathered together. You were somewhere around there. Um, and just the the sheer um, amazement of not falling to five. And it's like, oh, my God, I can't believe that we're actually there's still a chance at Zion. And then the Lakers going at four. And it's like, oh, my God, no matter what happens, the Knicks beat the odds in terms of the Lakers. I mean, the Lakers still beat the odds considerably, but we're going to finish ahead of them. And then they fell to third and it was like, oh, all right, well, there goes Zion. But on the bright side, not bad. This could have been a lot worse. So I said that was the happiest, just uh, especially because I was next to Andrew, our dear producer and friend. And it was just like, we were going nuts at the whole thing. There's a video of us going crazy. It was, it was just a lot of fun. Um, I'd say the worst one was probably in, what year was it? It must have been 20, yeah, it must have been 2017, where so I was 20, graduating. 2017 was the, when they got the, they were, uh, pre-lottery position was seventh and they ended up with the eighth pick. Yeah. Yes. So I was graduating college that year and it's, it was May. So it was around the time I was graduating. It was seniors week. And I went with friends to see a comic and I, it was the worst comic I've ever seen. No one laughed. It was so painful to sit through. And I felt so bad for the guy. And I didn't want to be there in the first place. I wanted to see the lottery. Were you drinking but, you at know, least? No, we, we couldn't even drink it, it during the, the thing. It was like in a, it wasn't even in a concert hall. It was just like. Was it, was it like a dorm or something? Oh, it, it, a comedian <laughs> is just in a dorm room. No, no, no. It was like actual thing. Oh, we no. didn't pregame it. We were going to drink afterwards. Uh, I wish we had drink before because I just was hearing this guy making terrible jokes as I'm on my phone and I see not only do the Knicks drop, but I went to school in the Boston area and my friends around me were Celtics fans and having to live with the fact that they just landed the number one pick and they didn't have to land it with their own pick. That was pretty deflating. So I'd say it was the best and the worst, but the, the, the biggest moment for me in 2015 wasn't when the Knicks dropped. It was probably when Hardaway hit that shot against the Magic. Because at that point, it was like, all right, you know, hopefully the Knicks stay second and get D'Lo or Okafor. But then, um, you know. Were you rooting Were you rooting um, actively for them to lose by that point in the season? And, and again, that um, I actually took a look at this. That was the, if I recall correctly, the third to last game of the the season. In 2015? Yeah. Well, or no, sorry. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm mixing up my year. So, um, yeah, the end of the 2014-15 season, they had the win against the Magic by one point, which is what you're referencing, and then they won another game, and then they lost their final game of the season. Yeah. No, that I was completely on board. Look, let's just go for the top pick. Let's, this is already a garbage season. Let's at least finish with the worst record. And uh, it didn't quite happen. I mean, you know, the things work in mysterious ways because the belief was, all right, if we finish with the, if the Knicks finish with the worst record, then at least they have a top four finish. And there's three fourths of a chance that they land the three best players in the draft because it was a three man draft that year. And of course the player who was picked fourth turned out to be a lot better than the player who was picked third. So um, I guess case in point with this draft, you just never know. That I wasn't planning on even going down this road, but there, there is a fascinating alternate universe that involves um, them winning the, the lottery in 2015, you know, which again, if they don't win that magic game um, or if they don't win, I guess two of their last three, they, they definitely, they go in with the best lottery odds and that year, the best lottery odds actually got the top pick because the, the wolves were the worst team and they got the top pick because, and I don't say that even, with how the whole KP thing unfolded as much as the fact that um, they Carl Anthony Towns is a center, whatever you, whatever you think of him, he's, he's a center. And uh, a year after that lottery, they went out and spent $72 million on um, Joakim Noah, which, you know, uh, presumably they uh, would not have done had they had Carl Anthony Towns in house. Um 
That's an interesting. You know what? It's I was looking for another column to write this week, and maybe I just uh, maybe I just found it. Um, do you? I have to ask. Do you have any recollection of the two thousand three lottery, which the, the LeBron lottery, or is that a little bit too much before your time? I do, yeah, but it was really for me just the top five, and then the rest is a little bit hazy. And I think because of the fact that the Knicks weren't really gunning for a top five pick, or they, at least. They had a 1.5% chance at uh, LeBron, I believe. Yeah. So I think it was what? After was Bosch picked fifth? Or was Wade? Wade was picked fifth. So it was after Wade. I kind of just, the memories just simply aren't there anymore. Okay. I, I just, I'll always remember that one, not necessarily for the Knicks, but for, for Jerry West, who was uh, running the Grizzlies at the time for his uh, expression after they got the second pick which i don't know if you remember this they had a pick that was top one protected so if they got the first pick they end up with lebron james if they got anything worse which they did they lose the pick completely which is you know again um not 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 what you want um i i have a column coming out for si this week in which i detail my experience watching the 2015 lottery which is the kp lottery um I was also someplace I would, I wish I hadn't gone, which is, um, are you familiar with the green turtle bar chain, bar and restaurant chain? I don't believe I am. That's good for you. Um, cause it's a <laughs> shitty chain. It, I shouldn't say it's a shitty chain. It's an Applebee's esque chain that, you know, tries to make itself out to be a sports bar. And, uh, my wife and I were renting our lowly basement apartment in West Hempstead, New York. Shout out to West Hempstead. Um, which is there's I don't even know what I would say about West Hempstead. It's it's a it's a town on Long Island. Um and the closest place where I could get a beer was a green turtle, which is where I spent and, and I walked in a couple of minutes for the lottery. I don't know where I had to have been in court that day because I was wearing a tie. I remember that. And uh I sat down and they had like, you know, children's badminton on TV and the the draft lottery was nowhere to be found. It was like nobody in Long Island gives a shit about the NBA or the Knicks. So I walk in and I'm like, Hey, can you put on whatever the, the you know, ESPN, I think it was, it was a Tuesday night. The lights, they didn't, didn't turn on the lights yet. It was like, and I'm there. I'm the only person watching it. I, it's on my one screen in front of me. And I'm just like, you know, I don't know what possessed me to go. I, Cause I could have watched it at home. But I just was like, I have to be in a bar with a beer in front of me. That was like my, that was what the universe was telling me to do. And then um, things unfolded as, as, as they did. And then, um, yeah. And then I remember last year, last year was a lot of fun. Like going in, once we got to commercial break, I think it was, the, there were two commercial breaks, right? There was the commercial break after like nine or 10 or nine. And then there was the, the commercial break before the top four. Like there, there was a sense of victory, right? Ever so slightly. Yeah, it was, I hadn't felt that type of joy in a very long time. Probably not since the 2012-13 season. Because really, it's it all felt like manufactured. It didn't feel like it was sustainable in any of the years since then. So this is the one time where it felt like you can't go wrong. Even if it doesn't pan out and this whole season winds up not being Zion, it's still, this is still a success in my mind. And I mean, it just... It's just a shame that the lottery odds had to turn into what they are now. Uh, of course, I blame the Sixers for that, for exploiting a process that, hey, don't get me wrong. They did a great job of exploiting it. But, um, of course, they found the loophole in it and that loophole has since been closed. And now the Knicks have what a I think it's like a 36 percent chance of landing a top four pick. Yeah. So let's I'm going to pull up uh, the old our old friends at the. Uh tankathon uh right now and um yeah it's so just a little bit of history i'll I'll have my monday newsletter will cover this but you know the knicks have mostly lived in the um six seven eight nine land in 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 the lottery Uh, if you go through their picks that they've actually have not traded away i think they've the picks that they've kept and have actually used to to pick with i think they've had eighth ninth and and uh ninth or sorry, eighth twice and ninth twice. Um, the most likely outcome on Thursday is that they get the seventh pick in the draft. There is a essentially a one in three chance of them getting seventh. 
um, to 29.8 to be exact. And then they have a 20.6% chance of landing eighth. So easy way to think about this is flip of a coin on one side of the coin is they land seventh or eighth. And then they have um, a slightly better than one in three chance of getting a top top four pick. It's 9% chance of getting the top, top, top pick, which, you know, um, one in 10. I mean, it's, it's not exactly one in 10. No, it's that, more or less one in 10, you know, it's close. pretty okay. I would have preferred, obviously, if it were one in 10, like the Pistons above them are 10 and a half for the number one pick, but considering the Atlanta game and how that, you know, how things shook out after that, it's not, it's not horrible. I mean, it, of course, Again, like the, the way I look at the lottery now is essentially mitigating how far you fall. It's not so much about how you rise. And in this case, I mean, there's a 0.1% chance that the Knicks fall to 10th. I view <laughs> there, that, there is that. I basically view that as the equivalent of if you flipped that coin and it didn't land on either side and it just kind of was sticking up, that's <laughs> the 10th chance. And I think that that is not going to happen. But there's still that 0.1% chance. So you just never know. You never know, which is a good a good place to transition for us. So we we are we don't know obviously what's going to happen, but we we do have I think a decent idea, or maybe a, not a decent idea. We we both I think have some opinions about how Thursday night, how how it turns out, um, will wind up impacting what the Knicks do um, over the course of the rest of their off season. And I, I, I'm hesitant to go strong out on a limb about anything because there's literally nothing that they, let me ask you this, uh, Mr. Mr. Cohen, is there anything the Knicks could do regardless of what, what pick they get? They get the first pick, they get the fourth pick, they get the, the eighth or the 10th, whatever. Is there anything that they could do that would utterly shock you? In terms of the draft or the, in, in, in terms of uh, that was vague. Um, in terms of like, what they decided to do with the pick. So for instance, right. Um, let's say they got the first pick, right. Would it shock you if they traded the first, like that, forget about trading it, trading down or something. Would it shock you if they like traded out of the draft? Like, is there, is there anything they could do with any particular draft slot? That's a, probably the best way of putting it. That would shock you if they did it. I would say the biggest thing for me is if they traded out, but for a star. If they had, you know, if they moved up and traded out for a star. That so that's shocking be, you in a good way. I guess. I, I mean, maybe, maybe I shouldn't assume. <laughs> well, no, I don't say that, you know, I think it just has to be the right star. It has to be the right fit. Uh, and so it would kind of be, what are you evaluating? If it's a player who is on the younger side that fits with what you're doing, then perfect. But I don't see that really materializing based on the stars who are available and how contracts are kind of lining up. So who knows? But. You know, you know, I could see if the Knicks mad, managed to land the number one pick and they said, well, we really like who's here, but we just, we don't love it. We'd rather just kind of take our chances elsewhere. In that case, I would love to see them say to the Warriors, hey, you know, how about your pick and maybe the, the uh, Wolves pick? But I don't know. I don't think the Warriors necessarily bite on that unless they're so determined to get a prospect in this year's draft. Or Wait, two. so what's your trade? So we got, we have the first pick and you are calling up the Warriors for, for this year's pick. Okay. And next year's Timberwolves pick. Oh, that Wolves pick. Okay. Sorry. I, I blanked for a second. Okay. Yeah. That's the only time I could really see. But then again, I would, I wouldn't be against other trade down opportunities, especially if the Knicks move up, if the Knicks kind of stay the same and the teams below them, don't really do much. I mean, I, I read really interesting article for the athletic where David Aldridge was talking about how he feels that the wizards are in desperate need of a player like Isaac Okoro. And when you look at the team, it makes a lot of sense because they're certainly set in their backcourt. As you can imagine, John Wall is going to see starters minutes, assuming he's healthy. And they've got Rui Hachimura, who I doubt they're going to give up on. And Thomas Bryant is pretty you know, he's a decent enough player for them. So they could go with a big man, but 
They really need wings. That's a big problem for them. And having a Coro who would shore up a lot of the defensive issues, and Washington was the worst defensive team in the league this year, that would be huge for them. So if you're the Knicks and you could say, all right, well, we're picking, say, like seventh, and we find a lot of these players to be too close together. What if we figure out a way to say to the Wizards, like, hey, we could take a Coro, or the teams below us could, or you could get a Coro and you could trade us your pick and then you could send us a lottery protected 2021 pick. Like that's sort of how I would get to thinking in that sense. But uh, we've, we've clearly uh, gone a far distance from the first question you asked me, which is no, what I'm shocked for. Um, so yeah, I would say just trading for a star would surprise me on a number of levels, especially because of how the rookie scale operates and rookie contracts. Basically any player that you're getting would have what at least at most, maybe two years, I guess you could say three, but probably two years left of um, being under contract. And then who would that be? So it's that's why I would be surprised. Um, so the only thing that would truly shock me is if they came out of draft night. And I, I, yeah, I think this is within the bounds of the question is if they came out of draft night with two lottery picks on their roster that which means essentially that they traded they used their pick one and two they traded into the lottery and don't ask i'm I, please like i don't do we get aggregated jeremy i don't do we are we that are we at that level i don't i don't know i don't, I don't think so I but hope, you know don't, what? don't aggregate whatever's, us whatever's on your yeah i guess no we're a couple of assholes we don't really we're, we're not aggregation worthy so I want to preface what I'm about to say with this was a this was like a random thought that popped into my head um uh as I was driving to get my daughter bacon before because that's apparently what four year olds want nowadays is bacon um and I'm I I, I think that, that makes me a good dad right that I yeah, went sure. I went to the store and I got her bacon um is like if the Warriors got I don't know the first or second or third pick or something and the Knicks traded. Um, Mitchell Robinson to the Warriors for James Wiseman, and or, or and took James Wiseman with like one of their picks, which is something that I don't want to happen for any number of levels, any number of reasons, and I don't, I can't imagine it would happen. Um, but like I was thinking about it because you know, and this maybe could help move along the conversation. The interesting thing about this draft is. The, the best prospects, um, on paper at least, who are Ball, um, Wiseman and Anthony Edwards, I would, I think most people have them at the very least, like three of the top four are, I would say maybe not the most volatile prospects in terms of ceiling versus floor. But they're definitely, I think, among the uh, if you're looking at the lottery, right? And you're like, how? Who are the guys who are going to help us win? A, like, definitely, and B, sooner rather than later. And I think if you're looking at it, you're like, well, there's definitely some volatility with those three guys um, for all their talent, and they, those they are all talented. And there's also a question like, you know. Why, well, I mean, Wiseland could just buy into a, you know, a, a dive man role and that could work out for him. But like, definitely it might take time with Ball. Definitely might take time with Edwards. It, for Wiseman to become whatever he may become long term might take time. If they go at the top of the draft because they are the most talented prospects, that's going to cost a pretty penny. So I know you know about these numbers. Um, I believe the first pick in the draft, his rookie year will be making, is it north of 10 million now? I feel like it might be north of 10. Yeah, it is. And again, it also does depend on what the salary, salary cap is. Salary cap, yes. That but goes without saying. For Zion, it is north of 10. Yeah, and so it'll it's supposed to keep going up. We'll see if it does. My point is, for a team like the Warriors especially, who has financial issues, which you, you know, uh, well, I shouldn't say that. They have a large payroll, and they may have financial issues. And there are maybe some other teams that fall into this category that could be looking to win sooner rather than later and have an incentive to win next season. Um, would it not be in their interest to come out of draft night 
with a player taking up less of their salary cap and more guaranteed to help them next season. So, which is why that crazy trade of like Mitchell Robinson for a pick that would turn into James Wiseman popped into my head because for the next year, at least Mitchell Robinson is making whatever he is, $1.6 million. He's making nothing. Um, And then he's going to be due for a raise. And he's also a sure thing. Like, you know what Mitchell Robinson is. Yes, there's a ceiling that he could still reach, which is why I have zero interest in trading him now that we've hired Tom Thibodeau as the coach and Kenny Payne as the assistant coach. Um, But I guess that that um, outline of a line of thinking amongst certain teams leads me to my main point, which is that nothing or very, 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 very little would surprise me in terms of like, if they got this, the seventh or eighth or ninth pick in the draft, I don't necessarily think it would be crazy to think that they could trade up into a spot that could get them one of the guys that they want, partially because of the money, partially because of the uncertainty higher than normal of those top prospects in this draft versus what you would normally see in a top three or four. And partially because I would actually argue, and I'm curious what you think about this in particular, that they have a higher incentive to, and I I know this is going to upset a segment of the fan base, to take a bigger swing. Because, and I'm going to, I'm going to say this in my newsletter on Monday, I think they have less top-end talent than any team in the league except the Pistons. Um, so I know I just threw a lot out at you, so feel free to you know take on any or, or, or all of that as you wish. Yeah, I would say... You know, I don't think that the Knicks trading 27 and 38, 39, there's still not a whole lot of clarity on if that Wizards pick has moved or not because of or how the Hornets pick because of the Wizards performance. Uh, I don't think that they could package 27 and 38, 39 for anything more than maybe like 22. There was a recent trade last year. I want to say... I can't remember which one it was, but but there was a trade where it was essentially a, first, a late first round pick and a second round pick, uh, and it was moving up only like three or four spots. So you know who knows because this is a very different world now. There could be a team that has a draft pick that would like to pay less, and they could still find similar, if not the talent they want later on. So maybe that's an option. But I agree with you. I don't think a trade up would be very difficult. In fact, I think that, and I've said this before, I really believe that the Knicks do have the assets to do that. They even have the assets to do it next year. I mean, you look at a team like the Maps, right? And they traded their pick and a future pick for Luka Doncic. And they traded two first-round picks for Christoph Sporzingis. And mind you, that's three picks going out, and they don't have any future first-round picks coming in. So... It's not that the Knicks can't. It's a matter of won't. And you could say, well, they shouldn't. And that's a, that's a compelling argument. But if the Knicks really wanted to say, look, we have the assets at hand to move up. Let's do it. And next year, especially because if, if you do get someone like LaMelo Ball and you have him running the point or better yet, honestly, if you have someone like Anthony Edwards and your lead ball handler next year is not Fred Van Vliet then you're very much looking at a situation where you're going to lose a lot of games. And if that's the case, then you're going to be in prime position for the lottery. So to me, it's so complex because of the fact that, yes, you do need that top-end talent. And I think nothing would probably help elevate your status more than moving up. And of course, by status, I don't mean brand per se, but there's something, as you said, the Pistons severely lack star power. And while I would say that the Cavs, in terms of their young core, are probably close to the Knicks, I think you could potentially give them the edge because basically them being the Cavs, because, I mean, I'm not super high on Sexton. I think yeah, but he's fine, but you've got... Or Who do you think more more executives would... If they had... A, if, if executives around the league right now could take Barrett or Sexton, I, I mean... I'm sure I'm going to catch shit for this. I think more would take Sexton because we saw Sexton do it at a very high level towards the end of last, last season. Um, I disagree just based on the fact that Sexton in a lot of ways, yes, he came out and he did a great job, especially once 
the trade deadline um, occurred. But it's the sort of thing where what he's showing is he's not a very capable um, uh, creator. He, he's That's he's not he's not the best ball handler, and he's going to get paid sooner than later. And by I think what he was drafted in he's he's twenty eighteen. Yeah, he's extension eligible a year from now. That's fair. I may be wrong about that. I ju- my that was my gut reaction is that more would take Sexton, but that that could very well be wrong. Right. So even still, if you took what the Cavs have and you take what the Knicks have. I would say, and this could all change in a few months, right? If the Knicks develop their talent better and you start seeing Frank Nielakina and Kevin Knox not being liabilities on the offensive end, then the conversation changes quite a bit. But as of this moment right now, I think it's definitely, I think, it, I think I would give the Cavs the edge just based on what they've got. And then you look at the other teams because of the delete eight in terms of young talent, I mean, or I guess you could say overall talent, however you want to put it. The Warriors obviously are better than the Knicks. You've got the Wolves who are better than the Knicks, even though they finished with a worse record, even though Carl Anthony Towns is maybe not a winning player. They've made enough strides where I could still see them doing better than the Knicks next year, certainly. Uh, the Hawks have a fantastic engine. They, Trey Young, he's phenomenal. Again, I'm still skeptical as to what ultimately happens in terms of uh, how he can impact winning because of how um, how much of a mess he is on the defensive end, but you know, his offense is so good that it's something to at least consider. It's a lot to consider. He's right. really good. Exactly. You've got the Pistons who we just talked about. You've got the Bulls who have more talent than the Knicks, but they just, they lack that star talent. Like there's nothing that's super exciting about them. And, and that's probably because they've been picking seventh practically every year, but the Knicks have consistently picked eighth and ninth. Although, you could probably say that that's not true because they just picked RJ third and they picked KP fourth. So, you know, there goes that. But the, the Bulls at least have talent there. They just they're kind of that one piece away from all those players being elevated drastically. And then finally, you have the Hornets and the Hornets are such a weird team to me, because even if you take out Terry Rozier, who we both agree is just not an enjoyable player to watch, especially when it's on your team. But the way they've developed Devontae Graham how they have PJ Washington, Miles Bridges. There's, there's enough talent where it's not going to take you very far, but it could potentially take you further as of this moment yeah. than where the Knicks are at. Right? They're, so, they're interesting. Right. So yes, this is a long winded way of saying that the Knicks are probably 29th. I, yeah. If that's the case. And you have the opportunity to then go from 29th to, I don't know, 25th, 26th. It may not seem like a lot and Rome wasn't built in a day, but you're starting you're you're solidifying the foundation and that's what's so important it's getting that person who can in this case if we're talking about lamella ball someone who has that type of vision who can find players and just impact them on offense to the point where everyone's stock raises the other part of uh the equation that i i should have said before the the way this lottery seems to be shaking out where in the bottom half of the top 10 and again, I, who knows where certain guys could go, but like you have a guy like Hal Burton, you have a guy like uh, Vassell, um, you have, I'm trying to think of um, Okoro. Like I could see, I could see some teams being like, look, I would rather have the guy who's going to help me sooner rather than later and has a couple of defined NBA skills like Vassell. Halliburton, like a guy, him on the Warriors would be, I like, just talk about, you know, uh, fit like a glove, you know, a is a guy, he's like, he's a big wing. Like it's, that's, it's a, it's a league full of big wings right now. Um, such that like whatever that guy becomes, like he's going to be a valuable piece for you. I could, I don't know. I could see like, if those guys are available, if the Knicks don't move up and those guys are available. So I guess this is, kind of a long-winded way for me to say that I think a trade-up opportunity will be there for them. And I think then the question will come down to what is it going to cost? Because I don't think going from, let's just say for argument's sake, eight to three or eight to two or seven to two, I don't think the, um, the Clippers pick is getting that done. And I think it's going to come down to, is it personally? I, I mean, you know, I think they're going to toss the, the Mavs pick into a deal if that's what it takes. And I know there are a lot of conflicting opinions on that, on that pick and like what, 
what its value is and what its value isn't. I just, and it's not completely tied up in like, what are the Mavs going to do next year? Um, But I think there's two things that are important to remember here. One, I think it's a future asset. And while I know the regime is going to value future assets for bigger trades down the line, um, I just, don't know if they could take that next step and be like this Mavericks pick could be the centerpiece of a big trade. And on that note, the second part of it, which I think is important is I do think you could trade that pick with protections because I think if you're trading that pick, the person acquiring the pick is going to be like, all right, we're getting the 20th pick or the 22nd or the 24th pick most likely in a very, very, very good draft. And you know, I think you could still give teams a high end benefit by making your protections like top four, because like, look, let's say everything goes wrong for Dallas next year. Right. And they, they're whatever version of suck the Mavs can be with the team that they have. I still think that they are going to figure out a way to not be, not have a team with one of like the 10 worst records in the league. So if you trade the pick with top four protections, you guard yourself against the, ba- the you know, the lottery balls, like bouncing a, a way that would leave you really, you know, uh, smarting for making that deal. But at the same time, you're giving another team like, OK, it's probably going to be 22 or 24 or 26, but there's a chance we may get lucky. And we may get the 13th pick in the draft or the 14th pick in the draft. I, I don't think this regime cares to find out what that's what that outcome is going to be. And I think they'd rather just use that as an asset now which is why I, I guess what I'm saying is I, I think there's a really good chance the Knicks are going to wind up out of the draft with like one of the guys that they really want, someone near the top of the draft. So let me just get clarification. If the Knicks are picking, say, seventh or eighth and they trade up, you're suggesting what with the Mavs pick that this year's pick, the Mavs pick and anything else? I am suggesting the trade would be. So let's just say for argument's sake. They could get ball because I think ball is the guy they're going to want. Um, let's just say they could get ball. It's going to take the them trading up to the third pick and let's give them eighth, right? So they have to move up five spots. Um, I think the trade is this year's pick. I maybe, maybe the Hornets, one of the Hornets picks, either this year's second rounder or next year's second rounder and the Mavs, um, 2021 pick. Which it feels like a lot. That 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 feels like a lot. Does it though? I mean, think about it from the perspective of the. Team. I don't think it is. Right. But I think so, I think to some fans would be like, "Oh my god, you're trading away the Mavericks pick." And I think it feels like a lot, maybe in this draft. But no, I agree with you. It's not a lot. Right. So I feel like if it's not a lot, that unless a team is desperately drowning under the finances of everything, that that's something that's not necessarily going to. Um, entertain them. I mean, yes, if they, if there's an opportunity, they feel like a player that they want is going to still be there three or four picks later Then perfect. That makes a lot of sense. But I, actually, that's my uh, point is I, th- I think that that situation that a play, the player that they really want being there a, a few picks later, I think that th- there's a higher likelihood than maybe not a higher likelihood than not, but like a decent likelihood of that happening. Maybe. I mean, all right, let me throw this out. And I'm sure that there are fans who are, Instantly going to be met with panic. But oh my God, what are you going to suggest? I'm going to suggest that if the Knicks are seventh or eighth and they want to trade up and get, let's, for the sake of it, say it's LaMelo Ball. If they want to go into the, let's say it's second or third, whoever those teams are, depending on the lottery, of course, if the Knicks made an offer of this year's pick and a top 10 protected pick of their own next year. And here's why I suggest that. Because of the fact that if you look at what recent history tells us, it's that trading up in the top 10, even if it's two spots from five to three with the Luka Doncic trade, you're still giving up a pick that is of importance. And so here's the idea, though. If you're the Knicks and you know that, hey, we don't want to lose our draft pick because we recognize that Ball is going to be maybe not ready to be a winning player and RJ is still struggling and there's a new system in place and it's the bubble. There's all this chaos. If I'm the Knicks, if I do that, then the rest of the off season, I probably don't try to build the most ready to win team. 
In fact, I basically say, you know what? We're going to start LaMelo Ball. We're going to play him next to RJ Barrett. It may not fit. It may not look pretty. We'll probably give him some spacing too. But here's the bottom line. This is a multi-year process. And we fully intend on keeping our 2021 draft pick. And now, of course, the thought process is then, well, all right, that means it's 2022 and it's the double draft. And yes, of course. But here's the thing. If you walk out of the 2021 draft and you've got LaMelo, RJ, and a top 10 pick in a loaded draft, and you've got Mitchell Robinson, who you're going to have to pay, but you still have him on your team. That's four players that I just listed who are having the perception or at least have shown that they can be solid. And you have, you have some talent more than solid. You have some and talent. Right. So, so that's where I would feel a lot more comfortable with the idea, because again, I can see, I can see this happening where the Knicks do trade up and it's this, crazy deal where it's like, I can't believe we're back to trading picks. And there are people who are outraged at the idea of it being LaMelo because there are a lot of people out there who just don't see it with him. That's fine. I'm not going to be the one to argue that I'm not, I'm not the draft guru here. So whatever you're entitled to that opinion, but I can see them being outraged at that and not knowing what's to come next because the next thought will be the Knicks are going to build a winning team right now. It's always about right now. And you know what? Maybe it could be, maybe it is, but I at least would like to give them the benefit of the doubt of what two days to see what they do next. Yeah, no, it's going to be around the corner, but that's what I see in a trade up because again, it would have to be something of value, a reason why these teams need to trade down. And I just, as, as important as the Mavs pick could be, because it is a wild card. I just don't see that being maybe, you know what, maybe it could be the sort of thing where um, they're swapping rights. Maybe that could be the case. Um, but again, I just, there needs to be, you need to give to get. So I don't I, see why uh, just the Mavs pick and maybe another pick is enough to move up those four or five. Maybe, maybe you're right. And maybe I'm overestimating um, everything that I said a few minutes ago. Here's, here's why I wouldn't, here's why I wouldn't do it. There's two reasons. One, if you're protecting a pick, that means you're, so you're, you're, the theory would be that the Knicks are hopeful that they will either, I mean, well, let me rephrase that. Forget about the theory. The Knicks will either be good next year and they wouldn't mind giving up the pick because things will have gone well this season or they will be not good and then they will keep the pick. Okay, great. That pick still needs to convey. And if you're, if what you're saying is that the whole point of giving up their own pick is you got to give to get that, that's not a type of pick where you're going to be converting it to two seconds at some point in the, in the future. It's like, that's going to convert as a Knicks pick. That's the carrot, right? That's the carrot you're, you're, you're dangling in front of the team that you want to move up. I don't want to play that game of like what, for instance, what we saw the Grizzlies play with um, a pick that the Celtics are going to be very interested to see which way the lottery balls bounce um, this season. Because if, Hey, um, I'm I'm looking at it right now. I think Memphis has they're gonna have uh something like a seven or eight percent chance of keeping their pick this year, which doesn't sound like a lot, but like hey, it's not crazy. If Memphis keeps their pick next year, guess what? Next season, Memphis with a Jaron Jackson Jr. who is on the mend and like a god, just an unholy brutal um Western conference, that's an unprotected pick that the Celtics own of theirs. Is that something that they really want to be playing with? I doubt it. And that's not something I, that's not a road I want to go down with the Knicks because like, you know, top 10 becomes top five protected, top five protected becomes top one protected. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh my God, we have an unprotected pick, you know, and who like we played this game with mellow, right? I mean, I, look, I know it wasn't the, maybe the most competent people running the show after a little while, but you know, nobody thought that that would turn out as badly as it did. And it did. That's one thing. The second reason, and this is why I think this is what I think will motivate this front office not to do a heavily protected like year after year after year um, type of thing is it limits the outgoing assets they could send in a future trade, because I think they're going to want to keep their eyes open, of course, as you have said, literally dozens of times um, for that superstar trade and that superstar trade or even forget superstar trade star trade is going to involve multiple future first rounders going out. And you can't send out future multiple first rounders. If you have a pick t- 
tied up with protections that could keep that original pick from being sent out for two, three, four years. So that's why I don't think they'll do it. All that being said, yeah. Well, what's the, can you can you say the phrase? Uh, the hashtag that we're gonna make pop. We're gonna we're gonna make famous. Starts starts with Brock. <laughs> hashtag Brock Hard. Brock Hard for Aller. Could I see something crazy where it's like, hold on, I'm doing this off the top of my head. Um, the 2021 Mavs pick, but it will only convey if it was, if it is within selections 13 to 21. If the pick does not land within selections 13 to 21, it moves over to the 2023 Mavs pick, which is top 10 protected, but the team at that point will get the option of the Knicks pick or the 2023 Mavs pick, unless the Knicks pick lands in the top 10, at which point it conveys to the, let's say 2024 Knicks, like something like that. Yeah. Where it's like really nuts and it doesn't necessarily prevent them from putting together a a separate package at at six months from now involving multiple of their own picks. Like you, you get it. I do. And this is maybe a good segue into the next part of the conversation. But there's also the possibility that the Knicks do get other picks moving forward. And this is the thing. If you are willing to shell out picks now, you don't have to replace them because, again, you're operating at a surplus. But if you take in a bad contract or perhaps you sign a good player and you do effectively the Marcus Morris route again, not that that would be your stated goal, but that's one possibility, then suddenly you're kind of just churning out cap space for picks like it's nobody's business. And then that softens any blow that you would have of, say, trading up in this year's draft or trying to trade up in this year's draft and go for a star or trade up for this year's draft and trade up in next year's draft. So there are possibilities. It's just it depends on what the game plan is for next year. And on that note, um, I think... So I, the original conversation that I pitched to you when I texted you a couple hours ago was like, what, what effect do we think how they come out of lottery night will have on their their plans for the rest of the offseason? And I guess what I've kind of just talked myself into is that I think they are going to figure out a way to come out of this draft, regardless of what happens on lottery night with um, someone that they consider to be a top end talent and specifically a guy that's going to handle the ball a lot which means I think it's going to be ball, but you never know. Maybe it's, maybe it's Edwards. Maybe they surprise me and they go with, with Hayes. Who knows? Um, in which case I think if they do end up with ball, I think they're going to start him, And I think it's going to temper. I think it's going to temper expectations for, for next season. And I, I I'm starting to think that regardless of what happens on Thursday night, that maybe we all jumped the gun a little bit too much in thinking like, oh, they're going to do what they need to do to put together this like 35 win roster that maybe, you know, sacrifices long-term um, benefits. I, I, I think they're just gonna, they're going to do the stuff that we've been talking about for months. They're going to get some one year guys. They're maybe going to take you up on your offer to um, have a couple of one year salary dumps, um, which was a very good article. And I thought, you listed some good names and that this is just going to be a year of Tibbs trying to get the most water from a rock that he can. Um, almost. Re- and yeah, I really do kind of think it's going to, that's going to be the case regardless of what happens on Thursday night. What, what are your, what are your thoughts? Yeah. I said this past week on posting and toasting show that it almost feels bold to say that the Knicks aren't going to look for a star or a quick fix this year, because I agree. It's, it's, long been this feeling of, okay, well, there are a lot of big names here. So some they've got to strike somehow. And sometime soon, is it going to be now? It's got to be now. And it just simply may not be the case. For all we know, they could say, you know what? It, it could kind of be like the Minnesota route, which was that first year of let's just throw everything against the wall, see what sticks. And they found out pretty quickly what worked and what didn't. Of course, they traded some of what did work and they kept some of what did. Or other way around, they traded some of what did work and they kept some of what didn't. But it was still kind of a learning experience where 
if you're trying to build something from the ground up and you're not trying to jump the gun and you're truly trying to make a difference compared to what we've seen with past regimes, Knicks fans should probably be delighted about that. I mean, yes, we want the team to win as soon as possible, what fan wouldn't. But if you're able to maintain that balance of kind of just building slowly without opening up yourself to a lot more of what's going on in terms of trading for a star or uh, jumping the gun, then use next year as that opportunity, especially because of the fact that we have no idea what the bubble is going to look like. I mean, if it's the sort of thing where next year's bubble potentially. Yeah. Okay. Right. I mean, or bubbles, I should, we should say. Yes. Who knows what that's going to look like, but you could also then see potentially um, if there's like an East bubble and then teams cross over or something, however it may work, then you're potentially looking at an inflated win total because the East is crap and the West is just an absolute dogfight. So it's going to be so fascinating how the Knicks build that team. But the best way to probably prepare for that bubble is to just build very slowly, build slower than any of us would have anticipated. Because in that case, you don't have to worry about who your competition is because you're probably going to lose most of the games that you play anyway. And if you do try to get that 35 wins or or play at that type of level, what does that really mean? Are you falling short of expectations? Are you exceeding expectations? Was the goal to win more games? I'm sure it was, but is that the true intention of the front office? So that's the thing, you know, we, we want them to win, but at what cost is that to the future and what to the present? I, a a couple thoughts that I want to, will maybe help us close out. Um, I think, so I, I saw a tweet, I think it was from Chris Mannix. Um, maybe, maybe been someone else. If I miss uh, appropriating that, I apologize about, um, next year's wizards, right. And how they got wall coming back. Um, you know, Hachimura is going to be a year older. Troy Brown looked good in the bubble. It was basically a general tweet. Like, listen, this team's going to be good next year. Um, or it would, it would be like, they're going to be more competitive. Um, and the wizards obviously finished. They actually finished with a worse record than the, than the, than the Hornets because they didn't win or they, did they win one bubble game? I think they won one. Yeah, that's right. They, they beat the damn Celtics, which prevented us from possibly getting the 26 pick in the draft in their last game. Anyway, the Wizards are going to be are going to be good next year. Um, of all of they're they're going to be, I think they'll compete. Yeah, the they'll yes, they'll they'll compete. Um, the Hornets, it would seem, are going to try to uh, take another step forward. They took a step forward this year, I think. You have all of the teams that made the playoffs um, in the East. You have all the teams that made the playoffs in the West. In addition to here are the teams that didn't make the playoffs in the West: the Grizzlies. The Suns, the Spurs, the Pelicans, and the Warriors. Um, if you want to tell me the Timberwolves are going to suck again because they're just not going to be able to stop anyone, fine, I guess, maybe. You want to tell me the Kings, who just fired um, their top two front office people, are going to be a bit of a dumpster fire again, fine, I'll give you that. But this is really setting up to be very interesting here because, you know, <laughs> man, the Thunder who maybe are the other position, the other team potentially positioned to enter the tanking brigade. Um, If the Knicks don't decide to take on Chris Paul's contract, I, I, who else is doing it? A and B like, how are they not going to be good again? So all of a sudden you've left yourself in terms of teams that are like going to be on the Knicks level uh, is maybe two teams in the West and the, Bulls, Pistons, Hawks, and Cavs. And I don't even know if I want to group the Hawks in there because like Trey Young's starting to get antsy down there. So like all of a sudden you could have a situation in New York where they play a much better brand of basketball. They will look much more cohesive. They make better use of their long-term core pieces. They, they compete on defense. They have a borderline top 10 defense. They do all the things that you want to see a young growing team do. And they end up winning, assuming an 82 game season you know, 27 games and enter next, next lottery with like the six best odds or the fifth best odds. I don't think that's, I don't think that's nuts. And I, and from what I've heard, like 
Dolan, like there's so much, there's all of this talk about Dolan wants to see a winner on the floor, right? He wants to see, he wants to see playoffs. He wants to see Leon Rose go out and make the team like better immediately. This, that, and the other thing. Dolan just from, again, take this with a grain of salt. I'm, I, I, these are little birdies that come and fly in and out of my ear. Dolan is just sick and tired of the team being an embarrassment. And he just, he hates all of the nonsense that gets said about the team and whatnot. And like, I think that there is a world in which they maintain their position as a, as a team that is, is going to have some lottery balls next year, but is considerably better and like upgrades the talent, even, you know, on the, on the fringes and, and really does get better and they look better and they like resemble a team like, Oh wow. The Knicks finally have a fucking clue of what they're doing, but they still don't win all that many games. Um, I think you hit on the head. Yeah, I think that's having our cake and eating it too here. And I think if you're asking me what most Knicks fans wants, to me, that's what most Knicks fans want. Yeah, because I am of the belief that with some addition by subtraction and just simply players developing on a natural course, that the Knicks can drastically improve from what we've seen this year. However, just because they're doing a better job and you can start to see the the improvements that are there, it doesn't mean that it will be reflected in their win loss record. And so that's important because I, you know, I want to see something in the making, right? You don't have to give me wins. Just tell me, sell me hope. If you can sell me hope, then that's enough to carry me through the night. And I think that that's the important part of kind of trying to instill a system with younger players and it's not going to happen overnight, but it's there. This is the one thing about having so much cap space is that you are almost overwhelmed by the amount of opportunities that are presented to you because you could go in so many different directions and it's trying to figure out if it's better to take it slow and then ramp up later. I mean, for all we know, the Knicks could say, let's use next year as a throwaway year. We've got, it's essentially a mulligan in some ways. Um, it's, it's just like that one year that we always wanted to have where it's the first year there's, we can offer up excuses because really there is no excuse, right? Like you, you don't have to excuse yourself in the first year of a regime to necessarily be bad. It, it's okay. And then after that, you try to keep taking steps. And then maybe as you align yourself with Anthony Davis, of course, because we know that 2021, 2022, that's when maybe he starts to have other thoughts, especially 2022, when that's when he's eligible for a 10th year max, that sort of thought process or building up assets on the team that then maybe you go out and try to trade for a star and pair the two together, whatever it might be. The point being that starting slow and finishing with like what you're saying, fifth worst, sixth worst record, you know, I'm concerned that some fans would say like, okay, well the team is, is bad, but not bad enough. And even in a deep draft, they'll be upset about it. But what can you do? Listen, no one should complain. If they go out and are, look good and they have maintained top six lottery position, I wouldn't complain. Would you? No, no, I wouldn't, especially because of how crazy the West is. And we don't know what the schedule is going to look like in terms of how teams play each other. I don't think that that's something that would bother me, especially because of the fact that I don't see the Knicks trying to quote unquote tank. Um, very last three thoughts from me and then we'll, we'll get out of here. One, um, and I've purposely waited until we crossed the one hour threshold before I brought up this person's name, because I, that's my rule that I set for myself. I am not throwing out any, any names, big names that are going to just incite riots until we, there we go. We've just crossed the one hour. Um, I think every Nick fan, despite everything we just talked about, should be rooting very, 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 very hard for the Blazers. Um, in the playoffs, uh, which will start on uh, today, uh, when you're listening to this, for several reasons. Well, Melo's there, and like Dame's awesome to root for, and like LeBron sucks, and like all L.A. fuck L.A. All of that, yes. But I, you say 2021 for AD. I'm saying if they went out in the first round, I j- just I I'm I am I'm going to be. I'm going to be keeping my ear to the pavement and, and seeing, you know, hear, hearing what I can hear. Um, Cause I'm just, I'm, I'm just, I'm just curious. That's one thing Two, something we haven't mentioned through this entire conversation. When all of the reports started coming out about 
when Rose Rose is going to take over to try to make the team a winner sooner rather than later. Um, I don't even think uh, coronavirus was a word that a lot of Americans had had heard yet. Um, which is to say that there was, I think, at least maybe some modicum of, of decision making that went towards like getting excitement back in the garden uh, with big air quotes around it. Um, there's, there's not going to be any fans at games next year, folks. And if there is, it's going to be like a very small segment. Uh, and like it, those are all going to get sold out because it's going to be so few. Um, so and towards the end of the season, probably if, if at all, that, right. Which means that everything would be essentially determined by then. If it's, if the Knicks it, are losing ex- the team by the time. Exactly. Andrew, so yeah, like, yeah. I don't, my own two cents. If, if Dolan doesn't have to worry about putting fannies in the seats, I wonder how much he would be more amenable to um, a slow and steady wins the race type of deal. That's two. And then the last thing, and I think this may be probably talk about burying the lead. Um, the Bulls, you know, just fired Boylan. I had, I had spent two columns writing about Zach Levine, mostly because I'm, I was under the impression as you were, as many of us are that Rose is going to do what he needs to do to get a name in the door sooner rather than later. Levine was always the most likely one to me. Now that they fired Boylan, I just, I don't see them trading Zach Levine for what 55 cents on the dollar or whatever it's going to be. So if it's not going to be Levine and they're not going to go however many years it's going to take Fred Van Fleet. Like who the fuck are they getting? That's going to bring them to th- uh, uh, p- putting Chris Paul aside, which I think me and you both at this point don't think they're going to do. Who else are they getting? Who else is going to bring them to this 35 win threshold? That's going to take them out from where, where they are currently. I don't, I, I, if there's a, listen, if there's someone out there that I'm forgetting, but man, I think about this shit an awful lot and, um, I, I don't see anyone. Yeah. I mean, I would say that Gallinari, at least on the win, that, but that's, a, that, but that's, that's not, not going to be your primary no. contributor. I mean, you've said it, I've said it. It's the sort of, Gallus people have said it. it's the sort of thing where without that lead guard, that engine, you're not going to go very far. Shot and creator, so, lead, right. whether it's a lead guard or a wing without a big time shot creator. Which right. is, they don't have. So if it's not Van Vliet and if it's Ball, but he's also not ready, or even if it's not Ball, then yeah, it's like a pretty steep drop off. And you're thinking, okay, it's Augustine, Dragic. I mean, what kind of impact are those players really going to have? And can they guide that team to a 35 win squad? I, I think you could point to this year's team and say under Mike Miller, it was a 31 win pace, but that's, it's skewed in a lot of ways. Um, I think one is because of the coaching bump that new coaches after it's re- after coaches have been recently fired that they tend to receive midseason. Um, you could probably point to just the fact that playing his best players and that's something that the Knicks may not want to do next season. They may want to have more of a focus of development. Um, bottom line being, I I agree. I don't I don't see that many pathways for getting to 35 wins and if you take off Fred Van Vliet then you're left with a lot fewer options and, and we should also throw out there you know we, people have short memories Marcus Morris won them how many games with just elite shot making I want to say I don't know two three four off the top of my head like and that guy was shooting flames out of his butt for the whole time he was here um he you know they're they're not gonna have him or I don't think they're like that. That dude played like a top oh God. 40 offensive player in the league while he was here. Is that outlandish to say? I don't think it is. No, I mean, there was a point where he was shooting every practically every other shot that he had from deep would go in. He, no, he, he was literally 45 percent from from three and he was averaging 20 a game. If that's yeah. not a top 40 ish offensive player. I don't know what is. And he, we had him and he, he won them some games. So it's like, yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't know. Um, all right. I think we've, um, I think we've sufficiently, so what, make a prediction. What are they going to, what, what lottery pick are they going to get? Uh, I, I'm going to say that they land seventh because I don't know. I just, the, the hope and the joy it's still there, obviously, but they've never moved up in a single lottery. And so you hope that this is the first one, but it's just like 
yeah, their luck has to come around at some point, but is it going to be this one? It's sort of like, I'll believe it when I see it at this point. So I'm reluctantly going to go to go with seventh. They're going to get the second pick in the draft. Hey, your lips to God's ears. That would be great. Call it. But I do, I do. I say that. And yet at the same time, I can't shake this feeling of like, you know, one out of three, that's not that bad. They could absolutely do that. And especially because I do tankathon simulations, like I'm sure a lot of other people do. And it feels like more than 33% of the time that I do it, obviously the numbers would never be exact to begin with, but they seem to luck into a top four pick. I, I don't know. It's I'll say seventh, but I, I, I'm not like, Oh my God, it's just only going to be seventh. Forget about any chance of moving up. No, they're going to, they're, they're going to get the second pick in the draft. Great. Telling you. We, we, you don't even need to watch it. I'm just, I'm just <laughs> throwing it out there. Um, Jeremy, this was as this did. Can I tell you, this made me feel a lot better. I got to say, Good. yeah, I needed this. Um, and now I'm maybe go- I should be on your healthcare plan. <laughs> sure. sure. <laughs> um, all right. Um, anything else from you before we get out of here? No, no, I think that's, uh, it for today. Um, I, I wait, no, hold on. We, we should say something. Um, everybody listening out there should keep an eye on Twitter. Um, I, right. I guess that's probably for on, uh, what, what's today? Uh, when, when's the 19th? I should know this. The, oh yeah. Wednesday on Wednesday, uh, it's going to be, so if you're listening, if you're following literally anyone involved with, um, anything having to do with the Knicks, you'll know, just check on Twitter on Wednesday. Some cool's happening, and um, I'll, I'll, I think I'll just leave it at that, right? Yeah, I think that's. Uh, I wasn't going to say anything, but since you brought it up, I'm, and I'm glad you did. Uh, yeah, just I wonder what's been going on on Twitter. If you've been following it, the nineteenth, <laughs> it seems like a weird day to do something. But it uh, does seem like a weird day to do something. Yeah, oh, who knows? You know. And one, well, sorry, one other shameless plug for my uh, Nick's uh, Will Smith face bracket. I'm doing the elite eight over the course of um, Monday and Tuesday. I'm going to do the, the final four on Wednesday and I'm going to do the, um, the last poll on uh Thursday morning. So I'm going to, we're going to surprise that you didn't call it the will eight, the will eat eight. The, <laughs> there, it just, it's the worst. It's just the absolute worst. <laughs> Uh, Jeremy, thank you so much. Everybody out there, thank you for uh, listening to another episode of the Knicks Film School Podcast. We will have, uh, barring any any crazy happening this week, the next episode will be dropping um, Friday morning. uh, So it'll be a a lottery night recap with a special guest or two. And um, yeah, that's it. Take care, everybody. Have a good week. 